0: Hello, everyone. Uh, feels a little bit like coming home anytime I can come out to Delano and be at the Highlands. Uh, like Brody said, my name's Drew. Uh, I'm the pastor of a church that's a part of your network of churches. If you didn't know, you were a part of a network of churches. You are. Congratulations. Um, we have a. It's a small network. Some church networks are thousands. We're three. But that's okay. Um, So the original church is Woodridge in Medina. And then I am the pastor of a church that Aaron and I started together in Minnetonka called Mercy Hill. Um, And Aaron's at Woodridge today. And Pastor Paul from Woodridge is at Mercy Hill. And you can expect to see Pastor Paul sometime in October or November um, as we kind of continue the rhythm of these rotations. Uh, I just, I want to say, I'm stunned that you guys moved forward. Like, I just, I'm I'm impressed. You know, I, I mean, I think like, you know, a lesser church, they, they wouldn't even ask you to move forward in seats if you weren't here for that part yet. It wasn't even, sh- it, yeah, I mean, Brian was just like, hey, I need you to move forward four rows. And I was like, you could maybe get half a row from people at Mercy Hill, you know? <laughs> like they'd lean in a little. Um, but you move forward four rows. And I, I don't, you know, I was so excited to be in the first row, because I'm not sure what I would have done. Um, so I just, I want to say, you know, like I, I get to talk to the staff that, that are a part of um, the Highlands, and I've gotten to be a part of the Highlands building team, so I get, I've gotten to know some volunteers that way. Uh, but you are a, really a part of a remarkable church community, and we as a network of churches are so excited to launch you into this building. But I, one of the things that I, I hope that you're sensing and I hope that you're noticing is that God is already beginning to launch you and the impact that you can make in your neighborhood and in where your kids go to school and in your workplaces right now. I mean, churches around the country are not seeing regular people come back and they're not seeing anyone visit at all, right? I was just with a group of pastors in in Denver on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and it was just, it was kind of a bummer. You know, they're just like, oh, what's gonna happen? I don't know, and what we know here at the Highlands is that God is up to something. And so if you're newer this month or maybe this is your first time, you are, you are peeking in on an incredible movement of God. And if you are a regular part of this community, I would, I would just encourage you to have a regular rhythm of gratitude and praise and recommitment. Remind yourself every week, thank you, God, that you brought a church like this to this place. Thank you, God, that I get to be a part of this amazing thing that's happening in this community. God, we, we praise you that, and worship you that, that this is a community of people who are nimble enough to, to respond and get out of their cushy chairs and move forward to come to a, tr- a volunteer training before church on Sunday morning to show up for a student ministry parent meeting to do all of these different things. And then finally, to recommit yourself. To just say, God, I want to do what you ask of me between now and Thanksgiving to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven here at the highlands. I'm ready to recommit myself again after that to the push, the, the, the impact that we'll get to make as we celebrate Christmas together. And then, God, I'm willing to recommit myself yet again and do whatever you ask of me as we make that final push into the building and into who you are creating me to be and what you are asking of me. Because God is up to something here. And it would be a shame for us to wait until whatever date we're currently saying the move-in date is. And I personally have seen like four in the last (laughs) two weeks. And I've been instructed to never say them out loud. (laughs) So you won't get any out of me. Uh, so that, I don't know. Hopefully that encourages you a little bit. I just, I, I think about you all the time. I love this place. I, I say that every time, but I, I really, genuinely, this is, you, you are a great church, and um, the, the staff here is blessed, um, and you are blessed by them. Uh, we are, we're doing a series. We're in the third week of a series called The Bigger, Better Offer. Uh, what The kind of the, the heart behind this series is, is to look at this really provocative question That because of privilege that we have and because of blessing that God has given us, we are who we are because of the choices that we have made. We are who we are because of the choices that we have made. Right before we go into this fall of uncertainty and who knows what, we are suggesting to you that you are probably reaping what you sow. Now that's not true all the time for everyone but i think it's important for us to realize that we have been blessed by god and that and that we are we are living in a privileged location in the world and in human history but it comes with a catch and that catch is that we are reaping what we sow if i look at my life and i look at my relationship with my wife or i look at my success or failures in my career or if i look at how things are going with my kids and, and my relationship with them or, or my friends or in, you know, the middle of November, if I look at my fantasy football roster, like I am reaping what I sow. You know, the, like I am making choices and those choices are shaping my life. And, and what I want to suggest to you is if you're looking around and you're saying, this is not where I want to be. This isn't how I want to feel. This isn't how I want to treat my kids. I'm not where I want to be to take the next step at work or in my career. I'm not where I want to be to get that job or to start that relationship. Maybe it's time to ask whether or not it's because you are, in fact, reaping what you are sowing and you are getting what you deserve. And if that's the case, maybe it's time to do the opposite of what you have been doing up until this point. And so we would offer to you this bigger, better offer, this do the opposite approach to life. We get the concept of the bigger, better offer from a guy named Dr. Judson Brewer who writes a lot about breaking habits. And one of the things he advocates for is this idea of the bigger, better offer. And essentially, it's this idea of mapping out your habit loops and identifying what you actually get from those habits. His latest book is all about anxiety. And so what he encourages anxious people to do is, le- is say, okay, you have been anxious about this. What does that actually get you? What is this life of anxiety about, say, not wanting to drive on the freeway? What is that life getting you? You know, I'm, I'm a really anxious flyer. And, um, you know, I, it's something that I battle with because of whatever. I don't even know what, it's a, whatever. Um, but my anxiety, theoretically, if I, like, allowed myself to go all the way with it, I would be, like, I don't know if you remember John Madden, like, the guy who drives the bus. That would be me. You know, like, I would prefer never to fly. And then it would just be all of these places and all of these experiences that I have never gotten to have and I've never gotten to see because I allowed my anxiety about flying to, to take away from me a, a, a key part of something that I really enjoy about my life. And so I'm saying yes to a bigger, better offer every time I get on an airplane. And I have to think, you know, I get to do this. I get to see this. I get to experience this. I get to come home and be with my family. Um, so that's just one example that, uh, of, of his most recent book. But we're, kinda, we're riffing on that, and then we're riffing on this idea of us getting what we deserve and then we're doing this all underneath the reality that here at the highlands, we believe that the God of the universe is not out to get us. We believe that, that, that the words of Romans chapter two, verse four are absolutely 100 percent true. God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Another way that I like to think about the word repentance, if you're not like a church person and that word is sort of freaky to you, is transformation. God, the the idea of repentance is to turn from and to turn toward. So it's this idea that the love and kindness of God would invite this turning from and turning toward this transformation in your life. The creator of the universe isn't out to punish you for who you have been and for the choices that you have made and the ways in which you haven't missed the mark. Instead, he's coming alongside of you and saying, hey, if you're getting what you deserve right now, just remember that that's not what I want for you. Which is an amazing thing, right? because, Because when we look at people getting what they deserve, unfortunately, we like that. You know, we don't like to get what we deserve, but we like when other people, like there, I was driving to a wedding yesterday, and this car was just all over the place. I mean, he was slowing down from 65 miles an hour to 55, and then he was speeding up and passing me, going like 75 miles an hour. I look at him, and he's just on, like it's for, you know, if you're a phone person, be a phone person down here, okay? Don't be, I don't want to, you know, we're not here to tell each other how to live. Well, I'm, I am here to tell you how to live. Um, put your phone away. But, but. For sure, don't hold it up in front of your face. And I just was like, I so want to see a police officer right now. And I want you to get pulled over. You know, like I want you to get what you deserve. That would be great for me. And I, the, just the self-righteousness was just bubbling up and it felt so good. Um, as I'm like, yep, got to get back to the hands on the wheel or whatever. And, and, and the reality is that as God looks at you, he doesn't look at you the way that I do. He doesn't look at you the way that you do. He looks at you and he says, my kindness is intended to draw you toward repentance, to bring you to transformation. The story that God is telling inside of human history is that he created us in love, that we rebel against him, and that he continues to pursue us over and over and over and over again, ultimately in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus, what that means is you don't know the transforming power of God's love in your life. And ultimately, I, w- I want to offer you this bigger better offer that is the love of Jesus Christ. But one of the things we're specifically looking at is um, this list in Proverbs chapter 6. Because it's a list where the Bible tells us these are some things that God hates. And and too often, I think, we're aligning ourselves with the list of things that God hates. Or we're cultivating kind of a behavior where we just go, you know, everyone, yeah, it's fine. Like, I'm not doing everything on the list, but one or two of those things are pretty core to who I am. And if that's how you want to live, that's how you want to live. I'm going to stay away from it, right? And, and what, what we're suggesting is we need to, if we're going to be God's people, we need to be people who hate the things that God hates. Which also means... That we need to do the opposite and really run toward the things that God loves. Run away from the things that God hates and run toward the things that God loves. And so that's what we're looking at. I'm going to read Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. But the one that we're going to focus on today is a heart that devises wicked schemes. And what I want to invite you into is to be a hero and not a villain. This is what Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And what I am suggesting to you is that life that is truly life is found in the opposite of this list. And if you're not here following Jesus, if you're not here in agreement with that, as a first step, one of the things I want to invite you into is just to try it. Just to do like an experiment with your own life. And just to say, you know what? I don't, actually lying has worked out really well for me. You know, like for some people, I'm sure it has. You know, like Bill Belichick has won a lot of Super Bowls. <laughs> Uh, no Patriots fans. That's good to know. We're all Bucks fans now. Tampa Bay. All right. Um, and and for some people that really works out. And maybe you're, maybe the the spirit of God is like you know what, lying's actually worked out pretty well for you and this or that or whatever. Um, and and for us it takes an actual effort to turn from and turn toward, right? It takes this actual effort of transformation that the Spirit of God wants to come behind you and just pour wind into your sails to make it possible. But it takes us kind of bringing ourselves in alignment with that wind, if I can cross like seven metaphors right there for a second. Um, But the reality is for for a lot of us, it's going to take work and trust to just say, you know what, I'm going to try to tell the truth then. And I don't want to get any more than that because I don't know who's doing that. Maybe it happened last week. Maybe it's happening next week. But specifically, I want to talk about a heart that devises wicked schemes. And when I think about this phrase, I immediately think of like James Bond movies and the supervillain. You know those scenes when the supervillain is like he's got the, he's got the hero tied up or she's got the hero tied up. And, um, and then for whatever reason, the supervillain decides like it's time to like lay out the whole plan. Um, and to dramatically eliminate the hero in in a way that the hero has like seven and a half different ways to escape. And you just go like, I'm not a hero, but I could get out of this one, right? Um, My favorite, absolute favorite scene um, that I can't show you because now we put things on YouTube and the bots find any videos we put on YouTube um, is from The Incredibles. You remember that movie, The Incredibles? Um, I have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old, so The Incredibles is as real to me today as it was the day it came out. Um, but there's a moment in that where, where the, the want-to-be super villain talks about how Mr. Incredible has caught him monologuing, that he's kind of lulled him into this false sense of security where he begins to describe this evil scheme that he has developed. And, and, and when, I, when I heard that phrase in Proverbs chapter, chapter 6, a heart that devises wicked schemes, I thought about that. And think about the kind of energy and attention to detail that it takes to really devise wicked schemes, right? And immediately you're thinking to yourself, well, you know what, Drew? I'm not a supervillain, you know? And, and if you think that I am, you should see my neighbor. Um, but that's not what I'm here to say. Actually, it's, it's almost sadder than that. I think that we all, myself included, we're not supervillains because we're lazy criminals, and, and what I mean by that is like we just we haven't turned our attention to like full rebellion against all of the things of God because we just don't want to get off the couch, you know. Like we're not like you know what, if if I devise this really wicked scheme, then I could get revenge on this person who hurt me. But instead of that. I'm just not going to like their post on Facebook and I'm going to harbor bitterness in my heart that's going to destroy me from the inside out, you know? Or, or we, or we th- you know, it's just it's over and over and over again. Like, we just think, okay, if I really wanted to, now, please don't do this. But you could hypothetically take your program out and just go, here is the person who's hurt me the most in my life and this is how I'll get back at them. There's actually an evil plan generator online that you can find. So if you wanted to know how to, like, take over the world, um, they would guide you into the process for how to accomplish that, um, which is a fun thing to know about. That's out there for us, thanks to the Internet. But, but what I'm saying to you is that most of us are just lazy. We're still evil, but we're just not, we're not ambitious enough to really put our evil into practice in a way that would really make a difference in the world, right? And then similarly, the, the, the opposite of that is true too. We are too lazy to really be heroic in the way that God is creating and empowering us to be heroic. And we're looking at the world and we're saying, you know, this is the option that we have. I'm not as bad as you, but I'm not as good as you. And so this is where I am and this is who I am. But that's not what God wants for your life. God is saying to you, I hate a heart that devises wicked schemes. And we're looking and we're like, okay, so don't do that. I won't do that. But that leaves me a lot of room. You know, I just, I won't, I'll just be wicked kind of imp, like off the cuff. I won't devise the schemes. I'll just sort of do them as they come. You know, maybe that's better. God will like that more. Or I'll devise bad schemes instead of wicked schemes. And we do all of these different things to go, okay, if God hates that, I'll just be incrementally better than that. Like I'll just, I'll, I'll go a little bit in that direction, right? We're working with my kids on, on loading the dishwasher right now. It's been a long time that we've been working on this. And the way in which, like, I'm just like, so they'll open the dishwasher, and then, and then they'll begin to reach their hand back into it. And we, I don't know about you guys, but like God has really blessed us richly, and we have a dishwasher with little wheels on the side, and you can actually pull it out. You don't have to. <laughs> it's not a box that you have to pick up, and, and they never do it. And that's what I think we do as human beings like we're just like, all right, I, I mean, I'll load the dishwasher, but barely. And then they just kind of set the plate. Like they because it has our again, ours has those little notches, and we can set the plates in. <laughs> and they just they'll just set the plate, you know? And it's just lazy. And so then I'll stomp over there. I'm not going to, but I do stomp over there. (laughs) Eli, that's my son's name. Just pull the thing out. And then I just have to walk away because I'm so anxious and I don't want to watch him set it in. Like, I just want to see one success. Um, And I, you know, but God doesn't look at us like I look at my kids, thankfully. I mean, I love my kids, but God loves us more than I love my kids, which is not the worst thing in the world. Um, And he's just saying to us, like, don't, don't, Don't do like bad schemes instead of wicked schemes. Don't do sort of um, impromptu, off-the-cuff evil instead of planned evil. God is inviting us. He's saying do the opposite of that. Look at the kind of life where wickedness is allowed to grow, where you actually plan out and carry out how you're going to behave and treat other people. And do the opposite of that. You know, be, be different than that. Um, I live pretty close to a target in Minnetonka and one of the things that happens a lot um, because I grew up in Minnesota is I see people that I know um, or caribou. Caribou's the worst, actually. Um, and maybe you grew up around here and you see people that you knew from high school and I'm not the person today that I was in high school and neither are they, but I treat them all like they, they're exactly the same. Um, and... And I find myself, like, I, if I see somebody, it takes a conscious effort for me to, not, to honestly, to not do, like, the wicked, schemy thing of, like, avoiding someone at Target and actually going, you know, like, I, maybe, maybe God is inviting me to have this, like, significant moment with this person, or maybe God is just inviting me to not be a jerk, like, one or the two, like, either way, and just going, like, okay, God— I'm gonna be the person that you created me to be in this moment at Caribou, in this moment at Target. And so instead of scheming, and I mean scheming, right? Like avoiding somebody at Target, if you're kind of introverted like me and kind of a jerk like me, you've done this. Maybe other people have no idea what I'm talking about. But like you try not to make eye contact. I'm not saying that I grab like a row of of (laughs) clothes and like move it with me, (laughs) but I do, I've crouched before. It's been years since I've crouched, but I've crouched. So God is inviting us to not be like that. And so this is how I want to frame it for you. God is inviting you and empowering you to be heroic. This is what it says in Psalm 51.10. It is a prayer to be someone that you're not. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. If you find yourself devising lazy criminal schemes because you're mad at your spouse or frustrated with your kids or disappointed with the lack of promotion from your boss and you just go, you know what? I know how to, I know how to embarrass him on Zoom today and I'm gonna do it, you know? I, this is the prayer. Create in me a new heart, oh God. Do something different in me. Bring about transformation in my life. And what is the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's that God's kindness is trying to draw us into new life. Jesus is a hero, and so God isn't devising wicked schemes against us. Instead, he's heroically and self-sacrificially dying so that we can live, truly live. Not just one day in eternity, but right now today. Your kingdom come on heaven as it on earth as it is in heaven that this this eternal life with God can begin for us right now in new dimensions of our life and our existence heaven can break in in your work life or your marriage or your parenting or your friendships or your hobbies or your thought life in ways that it never has before When you turn from this commitment to wickedness and scheming what God doesn't want for you and instead say yes to this this truly heroism that God is inviting you into. And the psalmist models for us that turn moment, right? Create in me a new heart. And so what's God's answer? In Ezekiel chapter 36, it says it like this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And then this is my favorite one that points us in the direction of the heroism. Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance this translation says, as our way of life. You were created in your way of life to do good works, to be a hero, not a villain. And sin and rebellion and pride enters into the world and enters into your own life and your own story, and it pulls you toward death and wickedness and rebellion. But God doesn't give up on you. God doesn't give you what you deserve. Instead, his kindness is intended to draw you to repentance and to return you to this place where you can do these good works that God has prepared in advance for you that is actually your way of life. So don't just find yourself in neutral between hero and villain. Look at what a life that's committed to scheming of any kind is getting you in this world and commit yourself to the opposite. And instead, prepare and plan to execute these good works that God is creating you to do. Scheme up good in the world. Make a plan for how to do it. It's an amazingly fun thing. I want to give you two examples of how I've done this in my own life, but I don't want to give you too many because I believe in the power of the Spirit of God at work in your life, even if you don't. And I believe that the Spirit of God is going to speak into your heart and into your mind and into your imagination and say, like, here's something that's wrong and here's how I can make it right. Here's, Here's some way that I can scheme up love and kindness in the world. Um, So one of the things that I I get my hair cut in Minneapolis, um, and one of the things that I noticed a couple years ago is I was just seeing more people with signs saying that they were experiencing homelessness, uh, and it was hard for me. Um, And homelessness is something that's really complicated for me on like a emotional and intellectual level, and I I think about like, oh, are are these people who are homeless going to, if I give them money, are they going to, you know, use the money to do something that they shouldn't be doing that isn't good for them. And it just all kinds of stuff. And I spiral into this, like, frozen neutrality where I do nothing, right? And so one day, I just decided that I was going to scheme up good instead of being paralyzed into uncertainty, and I just, I went to Costco with my wife and my kids, and they didn't want to be there um, with me. And so then after a while, I didn't want to be there with them. But I just put together these bags. I bought some Ziploc bags, and I bought some, you know, jerky that won't expire, and I bought some, you know, just all kinds of different food and stuff, and um, and I keep them in my car, and and then I'm able if I see people, I'm able to give them to them. And then one of the things that I've noticed is, um, at you know, like in Plymouth and in Minnetonka, I'm seeing more and more people who are experiencing homelessness, um, finding their way into different parking lots and different streets and stuff like that, and. Um, I, I don't have this, the big solution, right? Like that's probably for one of you to scheme up the ultimate good that's going to end homelessness all over the world forever. Um, but for me, it's, this isn't about like making myself feel better. It's about obeying God and, and instead of scheming up in my own mind and my imagination why someone might be experiencing homelessness, it's instead for me to say, you know what? God has been kind to me. God has been good to me. God has been generous to me and I can do that. For someone else. So that's one example of how I've tried to scheme it up. But it actually took work, right? Like I had to make the list. I had to go to Costco. And it's, it's stuff like that is kind of like hot dog buns versus hot dogs. Like there is never the right amount. So I have like 60 up in order to balance all the numbers and have one of each. Anyway, um, that was the journey that I was on. And then the other one that I've done more recently is I look back on my life in 2020 Um, really at at Father's Day. And I just looked and I said, you know what? I wasn't really a good dad this last year. I wasn't the father that I wanted to be. Um, And it it wasn't, again, I wasn't a supervillain. I was just a lazy criminal. Um, And I was selfish. And I thought about myself more than my kids. And and I wasn't wasn't a great dad. Um, And so I have been scheming up to be a better father. And I want my kids to actually know. And so what I told them is I said, I'm going for father of the year this year. And they go, what do you mean? I go, well, I think it's an award, because I've seen these mugs and these trophies and stuff like that, and I want to win. And it's, re- it's really caught on in the life of our family, because they expect me to be a hero, not a villain. They expect me to deliver on what I've said I would do. And I'll tell you what, if you want to be a good dad, it does require some scheming. It does require some effort. I mean, you can't just, you know, lazy your way into making memories and making things happen. Um, My son likes to play tennis, and we were on vacation, and and I was like, I'm going to take you to this cool tennis court. And, I mean, I had to become a member of some random Parks and Rec place in Los Angeles in order to take him to this tennis court. And then with COVID in California, I had no idea what was going to happen, right? But it took me, I mean, that was like, you know, a three-hour effort that I had to make in order to hypothetically do this thing, right? And, and I, you know, my daughter's really into bouldering, which is like kind of like rock climbing, except for more dangerous because there's no ropes, so that's really fun for me. I love doing that. <laughs> um, and I'm afraid of flying because I'm afraid of heights, and so you, yeah, but I'm like, okay, let's, you know, your mom's going back to school. Let's go bouldering this week, Right? So you find the place and you figure out what you need and can we rent these shoes and all this kind of stuff. And my point is just this. God has created you to be a hero. And God hates when people scheme up evil. And the reality is that he's given you a heart and a mind and an imagination and an innate desire from the creator of the universe himself to actually scheme up good that's going to make a huge impact in the world. But it isn't without effort. So so I hope what happens today is that you've you've been switched out of neutral, that I've I've kind of jogged things, and either you're like, yep, I'm going full wicked, you know? (laughs) Or you say to yourself, yeah, you know what? I have, I have been a lazy criminal. I have just kind of compared myself to people around me. I have just kind of, you know, made sure that I was doing just enough or, or more than enough or whatever. But that's not who I am meant to be. I believe, Ephesians 2.10, I believe that God prepared works for me to do in advance that are my very way of life. And so I want to say yes to those. Anyway, I, I went a little bit long, um, but I won't see you again until you won't remember that I did this. Um, so, but I hope you, I mean, I hope you hear some of my passion for you as a church and for you as individuals and, and who I really feel like God wants you to be. And I, I just, I, I want to pray for you and pray that, that, you, that we would be heroes together instead of villains and that we would get to see the impact that God would do in our lives through that kind of choice. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for uh, this time that we could spend together uh, learning about your heart for us um, that brings us um, from death to life, from slavery to sin, into freedom, into the life that you've created us to live, into the good works that you've created us to live. God, you're so good to us. You're so kind to us. We love you and we we get to praise you now. God, I pray against any feeling of condemnation in this room and and God, if if there is a conviction that that's saying, "Hey, you you have an opportunity to do better. You have an opportunity to do to do different." God, I pray that your spirit would would remind those people and remind myself that it's your loving kindness that's leading us to repentance. It's not something that we have to earn your love by how we act, God. Um And that we could just worship you and praise you and spend time imagining who you're inviting us to become in the days and the weeks and the months ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.